0: Um, The first reading is from Luke 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Second reading is Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendour of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendour of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come, he will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of
1: the Lord. Amen. So um, here's the story. Um, so sometime back in June, I was, I was praying around the church. It's something I try, try and do at the start of each day. And uh, I was praying in this area over to my, my left, where we, we kind of focus our prayer ministry time during, during the gatherings. Uh, the whole church is a prayer ministry area. In fact, the whole world is a prayer ministry area. But we've set this space aside um, specifically for encountering God's Holy Spirit in prayer when we're together. Um, and my prayer was, as it so often is, simply a hunger for God's presence to break through in more power um, in and through this church. And I don't know what took me to it, but I opened up the Bible at, um, at Isaiah 35 um, and. Um, I think I remembered it maybe from a previous church when when it was read on an occasion when when God was really tangibly at work. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was something like that. Anyway, I started praying my way through Isaiah 35, which we've now heard, I know, three weeks in a row. And then just as I finished, I was about to close the Bible and put it down and head back into the office. Um, But I I just felt, why not? I'll just leave it open. Um, And I I put the the Bible back on the table open uh, on Isaiah 35. Um, I know that people um, come and pray in this space sometimes before the service. You're always welcome to do that. Um, And and we talked about being hungry for God to do more here um, when we were praying. And and I thought, I'll leave it open. Maybe someone else will read it. They'll feel drawn to it, um, pray about it or something like that. I wasn't looking for a sign per se, but then things got a little bit strange. I, I wasn't in the next day. Um, uh, but the next day after that, I came back into church and the Bible was still open at Isaiah 35, right where I'd left it. But the pages, I don't know if you could see this, but they'd gone all crinkly. They'd gone all wrinkly. Um, like they got kind of wet and dried out. And, um... (laughs) You know, the weird thing was, it was just those two pages that were open from the Bible, from top to bottom, side to side, corner to corner. Nothing else on the table had got wet, not the box of tissues right beside it, not the wooden cross, not the candle, not the table. Uh, The rug underneath was dry, just the Bible that was open at Isaiah 35. There had been a little bit of rain the previous afternoon, but not... Nothing sort of heavy or very long. So I was looking up at the roof thinking, um, you know, uh, is there a leak here? Or is some water come through the window or something like that? But there's been a lot of rain since then. A lot of much heavier rain. And there's been no leak at all. I wondered if the humidity had got to it. Or whether the sun shining at an angle through the window or something like that. Um, none of it really added up. So theology student that I am, I suddenly remembered the story of Gideon in Judges. And uh, where he lays this fleece, you might remember this, the kids have probably done it at some point in their groups. He lays this fleece um, and asks God to make this fleece wet and everything else around it dry as a sign that God is with him. Um, you know the story, yeah? And um, it's not really a great example of faith, it's more Gideon's kind of caution and lack of trust in God. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's a fleece! Um, God has spoken! Um, <laughs> and then almost as quick as I thought, don't be ridiculous, um, There's probably another explanation, but how could I know? But then I remembered what Gideon did next and how he put the fleece back out and he asked God this time, you know, to make everything else wet and just keep the fleece dry. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do, then I'll know. (laughs) And only then I just thought what John, our church manager, would say. If he came into the church the next morning and found the whole place soaked (laughs) and i had to tell him that i'd specifically asked god to do this (laughs) which is when i decided to take it on trust for um, whatever reasons uh physical meteorological spiritual that this bible and this bible alone had got soaked and open on this page maybe god wanted me to pay attention to this passage. So that's what I've been doing ever since. In fact, since that day, the Bible, this Bible has remained open at Isaiah 35. Each day I've been um, praying it around the church. Hey, you know, if you've ever got 10 minutes to spare, or you're walking past, just come in, just come and pray, come in, pray in this place, pray around this place. Um, You're really welcome to do that. And there was just something so rich in these words, this imagery of this assurance of God's To his people in the wilderness, that he will come and revive them. So I've just kept praying this on repeat since then, and um, uh, sort of I I won't explain it all. But at New Wine and in the summer when we were away, there was a lot of references to to the kind of the river of God. There was a great talk Simon Pontsby gave uh, about that, um, about um, and and the symbolism I guess of water throughout the Bible and, and what that means. Um, and also this idea of the highway of holiness, a lot of it all sort of came together there. And I was trying to figure out what to preach this vision series on. You know, it was all about John 15 last year, the vine and the branches, that banner that we have over there that was put in this church when it was replanted. It's a really significant passage for this church, I feel. Um, and our vision hasn't, hasn't changed, but I wanted to do some fresh teaching on it. And it was only uh, then that I kind of realized, towards the end of August, how well this passage this poem from isaiah 35 captures that same vision um albeit in a totally different context from where jesus commissioned and taught his disciples seven years seven not seven years 700 years before uh, jesus came onto the scene in fact And so that is how our um, our 2023 vision series came to be built on Isaiah 35. See, I told you it was a good story. Um, You can come and have a look at the Bible sometime. Um, uh, It it stays over there now. Um, You can come and venerate it. No, um, of course not. Um, There's nothing special about this Bible or no more special than any other Bible in this place or that you have at home or on your phone. But, you know, come and pray um, Isaiah 35 with us. Um, so that's the story, because I, I kept saying I'd tell the story and then ran out of time. So um, what is our vision? Um, if you've missed the last few weeks, our vision is to be and become disciples, that is students or apprentices of Jesus. That is what Jesus set out to do in his three years on earth, to form people as disciples, Talmudim, uh, like branches of a vine who would do the same thing to others. So that down the ages, the good news of salvation through Jesus's death and resurrection for all who turn to him would be proclaimed and demonstrated in word and action by his disciples, um, that is, us. That's what the church is on the earth for, that's vision, that process of becoming and being a disciple we've seen looks like three things, three goals, if you like, for us. First, to be with Jesus, second, to become like Jesus, and third, to do what he did. So, two weeks ago, we looked at verses one to four of Isaiah 35 and how God's promised presence with his people is the key. Um, He will come to them, he says, even as they walk through the wilderness. This is life for them, his presence with them. And it's life for us as we walk through the wilderness, the challenges of our lives. God's presence is the key. And then uh, last Sunday, we looked at verses 8 to 10, this highway of holiness, this way through the wilderness. And you know, uh, for those of us who are reading the New Testament together, there's about 15 of us who are doing that um, this year. We're literally finishing the book of Acts today today. And the story of Acts, which we spent quite a lot of time looking at last year, um, is the story of the early days of the church after Jesus left his disciples to continue his mission. And the word uh, church isn't really used in Acts very much, just a couple of times, nor Christians, apart from by their followers, it was, it was their, sorry, their, their enemies, sort of their opponents called them Christians, almost as an insult. But far more, the term used for those first few thousand disciples of Jesus was followers of the way. Acts talks a lot about the way, suggesting that disciples were not just people who were saved by Jesus' death and resurrection, although that is what they were and that's what we are, but also they were people who were living in the light of that, according to a certain way of life, the way of Jesus. And I talked about how The idea of living life like Jesus sometimes kind of bumps up against our idea or our culture's very strong idea of personal freedom. Um, But actually the recipe for life as God intended is this way of holiness. It's the path to joy and gladness in Isaiah 35. Final part then, we're coming back to the bit in the middle, verses 5 to 7. We're considering what it means for us to do what Jesus did. Or what he would do if he were living our lives today. So back in verse 1, there's this image that as God's people come out of captivity into this wilderness, they encounter God's presence. And the result of that combination, God's people and God's presence, is that the wilderness itself is transformed. The literal translation is that the land will be glad of these people who carry God's presence with them. And now verses five to seven describe what that blossoming and the the splendor of the wilderness um, looks like. Then, that is when God's presence comes to his people, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy, water will gush forth In the wilderness and streams in the desert. Again, um, two weeks ago, we looked at kind of that imagery of the water and the streams. If you want to know more about that, go back and listen. Um, The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. This picture is um, one of total transformation Of the land, from barren to fruitful, from parched to green. And it's not just the land, it's the lives of the people who are there. Sight for the blind, hearing for the deaf, the lame leaping like deer. In this poetic language, we're seeing the effect of God's presence with his people, bringing healing and hope and life and beauty. Those people kind of listed there, those were the most kind of discriminated against and disadvantaged people of their day. God bringing hope. And I I mentioned before how Isaiah, along with all the Old Testament, points towards Jesus. How Isaiah's words speak of, um, uh, you know, hope in a future king who will redeem God's people. And this suffering servant who will pay the price for that redemption. And then in, in Jesus' sort of manifesto speech in Luke 4, which we heard today... He draws on words from another part of Isaiah, which describes something very similar. Good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, sight for the blind, released to the oppressed. The year of the Lord's favour. And by the way, I love that story in Luke. Um, It's just so dramatic that Jesus kind of takes the scroll. He reads it. He rolls up the scroll. He sits down and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's this sort of perfect mic drop moment from Jesus all the eyes are fixed on him it says and these um words of hope in this scroll in Isaiah you know God's people have have carried these words they've treasured these words for 700 years through exile through occupation through disaster and Jesus turns up and says yes this is actually happening now here and now And this is what he starts teaching the disciples to do, literally to heal the sick, set people free, stand alongside the oppressed, proclaim the gospel to the marginalized and the good news of God's favor. And, you know, again, we see, uh, so in the book of Acts, we see that this isn't just for the twelve. This isn't just for um, Jesus's sort of original class of AD 33. This is for all that follow them as the church gets going. Um, there, there are some pretty wacky tales on how that plays out. Um, my personal favourite is the raising to life of a young man called Eutychus, um, has sat in this upstairs window um, during this sermon, um, while, and he falls asleep because Paul's sermon is too long, um, and he falls to his death, um, and they pray for him, and he's raised to life. It's brilliant. Let the preacher take note. Um, so we see the church... Are you all sitting safely? <laughs> Good. Um, So we see the church actually doing all this stuff that Jesus describes from Isaiah. And the effect is, the effect on it has has on those around them is incredible. Their, Their testimony is who they are and what they do as a community. Their love, their care, their devotion for one another their welcome of the outsider and the vulnerable orphans and widows as it was and 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 disabled people as it was in first century israel those were the most disadvantaged people in that society the way they worshiped and prayed their way through every circumstance and um, the challenges they faced which were many god's presence in god's people bringing life and renewal in the wilderness that's a perfect description of the church putting Jesus's way into practice, doing what Jesus did, proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God in the context where they found themselves, like streams in the desert, or um, bubbling springs in a thirsty land. You know that the church is meant to be good news, yeah, in the Old Testament that was the role of Israel from the start when God called Abraham, the covenant was that through, all, through his seed, all nations would be blessed, not just Israel. And it was in part Israel's failure to do that that brought God's judgment on them. But then Jesus, Abraham's seed, opened up that blessing to all nations through the cross and this is our mission model, really. Um, back in June, um, the, the PCC, the, the kind of formal leadership of the church, spent a day looking at and praying about our missional priorities over the next three years. The process is called um, Mission Action Planning, or MAP, um, and it kind of does what it says on the tin. It's designed to help us discern and prioritize our outreach and our mission and our work in our communities, um, sort of geographical communities, but also the communities that we are part of in our lives. Um, You know, face-to-face, digital, work, school, neighbourhoods, whatever, wherever the Lord has us. If our vision is, if our vision is what we want to become and create, i.e. disciples of Jesus... Our mission is what we need to do in order to get there, right? To to see the the, the difference. The mission is, the the vision is kind of, the the, the different reality in the future, the mission is kind of getting there. And that mission ties both into our vision to be be and become and make disciples of Jesus. And also the 2030 Capital Vision of the Diocese of London, um, uh, which we are part of, um, which is for every Londoner to encounter the love of God in Christ Jesus. And um, there's not time to share all of that uh, with you now, Um, our mission action plan of the Diocese Capital Vision, but that's okay because we've actually got the whole term to do it. Um, So if you've been following our teachings this year, uh, we started the spring term with learning about what it looks like and what it means to be with Jesus and and practices that we can do that help us to to, uh, foster a sense of God's presence in our lives. And then in the summer term, the focus was on becoming like Jesus and what that means. And then, so in this term, we're looking at this third goal then of doing what Jesus did, our mission. And as we do this, um, uh, we as we consider our mission action plan and the capital vision um 2030 we're going to hear uh, teaching from me and mike and ritesh on that but um plus also math and um fee budden at some point we hope that might not happen until the new year but fee who used to be on the staff team here um uh, as the ivy bridge community chaplain she's now the kensington area estates mission advocate i think and she will hopefully come and share with us on that part of this vision this mission i should say mission vision it's all the words isn't it anyway um and, uh, it's all about jesus that's the key thing the whole series will be um wrapped up with a, a visit from the venerable richard frank uh, formerly of this parish um in fact still of this parish technically um who i'm delighted has found time to return to us um once again here at all souls that will be on the 26th of november um but that whole series kicks off on the 8th of october the week after harvest so do be here for that if you can so there's a lot to be said about all of this, but the good news is it doesn't all have to be today. So no risk of a repeat of Uticus and the window and all of that. Hopefully, although I wouldn't, as I say, advocate listening to any sermon <laughs> sat on an upstairs window frame, even if it is scintillating and you are feeling very wide awake. Health and safety moment over. So a few things to um, think about as we wrap up this vision series. Um, Jesus's language of freedom and sight and hearing and release and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. It was literal, but it's also obviously symbolic, as as is obviously the image of the the, the flourishing of the wilderness. John Mark Comer produced this list of what it looks like in practice when um, those kind of ideas were enacted by Jesus and his first disciples in the church. I'll read the list out for those listening Um, back on the podcast. So Jesus uh, preached the gospel. He taught the way. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He ate and drank with people far from God. He did justice. He made peace. He prayed. He prophesied. He stood against religious and political corruption. And um, added on to there, you could say he walked on water. Um, Take a moment to reflect on that list. Um, I have said a a lot of this series has been quite sort of theoretical and we'll get more into the practical in the months ahead. But maybe there's one on that list that you could um, try and do this week. Maybe not the walking on water thing, we'll wait till next summer (laughs) before we try that last one. Um, But you get the picture. Um, We don't have to wait for all our mission teaching. Um, I'm sure there's stuff on here that we're already doing Um, there may even be things on here that you've been doing and you didn't realize that you're actually doing what Jesus did (laughs) Um, uh, but uh, maybe there's something that that, um, uh, jumps off you uh, uh, jumps off that page for you something you used to do and you haven't been doing and maybe this is a a good week to start doing again but the main applications are as they have been throughout this vision series first um, if you are or would like to become a disciple of Jesus and seek to live life in his way. And, uh, and, and if you've never been baptised, which is um, uh, some of you I know, or you were baptised as an infant and would like the um, opportunity to personally reaffirm the vows that were spoken on your behalf, we are holding, as Mike mentioned earlier, a baptismal service on October the 15th during our Uh, main sunday morning gathering please do come and find me if you'd like to respond to jesus in that way at this time you'll be joining some others who are going to be doing that we're going to have a a pool um so maybe everywhere being wet will happen um but i i don't know how it works here we've done it before in other churches john says it's been done here i'm sure we'll make it work um but yes if you're interested come and speak to me. Second, if this is all a bit new to you, um, or if you have questions, can I encourage you to sign up for Alpha, uh, which starts this week. Um, It's a great way for exploring faith in Jesus and just questions about life. Um, Third, the best outcome from this uh, series would be for more of us to get involved in small group communities at All Souls. In fact, we call them connect groups, and there's information about those in the term cards. They are all about, very simply, they're called connect groups because they're about connecting with God and connecting with each other. That's the kind of parameters of what they do. Everything else is up for grabs. Um, One of them involves playing football on a Monday night, and it's great. Um, And that's because all of this, being and becoming disciples, learning to be with Jesus, learning to um, become like him and to do what he did, it's a communal activity. And that's how Jesus set it up. Learning to do life in a certain way takes encouragement and challenge and support and love Um, It's not, it never has been an individual pursuit. So if you're serious about um, following Jesus, you can't do better than connecting with others who are trying to do the same thing. Um, And you can speak to Mike, um, actually, about that one. Um, Mike, uh, well, people have already seen you, but you wave. Um, And finally, I just want to put on your radar the evening of Sunday the 8th of October, um, the day our mission series um, kicks off in the morning, where we'll be gathering here also at 6.30 p.m., to spend some time in prayer and worship in this place everything we do is or or at least needs to be uh, built on um a foundation of prayer we know that so we're going to gather and do that 8th of October um and this time you can speak to Ritesh if you want to know more support you stand up for a moment Ritesh so people can see you there we go so speak to Ritesh if you want to know more about that evening of prayer and worship um here 6 30 on 8th of october if you have any other thoughts or questions um or just want to talk about this vision series um or anything related to it please just grab me after the service or email me um i'd be delighted to find some time to um we could grab some coffee or go for a walk and have a chat i'd love that um so i'm going to hand back to mike um as we take a moment to um yeah just to respond um, after a lot of words to whatever the lord might actually be saying to us